And welcome to the studio. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. My name is Alexi Boyd and we are here with Small Biz Matters for another week of fantastic small business education. Thank you for joining me. Those of you who are new to the show, this is a show all about small business learning, listening to experts, listening to politicians, being an advocate for small business, but importantly, working inside your business rather than on it. Or is it the other way around? I always get this mixed up. My regular listeners will know that I regularly talk about that in uh, two different ways. But today... We are going to talk about tech products and how to implement them in your business. And I guess when we start afresh with a new financial year or we, we think about um, beginning anew and crossing off the line from one P&L to another, it's a good time to start looking at the latest tech products and how you can implement them. But it's very tempting and very easy to get distracted by the shiny new thing that's on the side of your desk that you've just bought, gadgets that help you be more efficient or more productive, and you've read about them somewhere in a long lost article and you go, right, now's the time to buy a new thing and I'm going to get it all implemented. It's not that easy. Sometimes they're not the best fit. Sometimes you haven't short things through properly. And don't forget about the time it takes you to implement change in your own processes and procedures. Um, And often it's one of those aspects as small businesses that we don't quantify in our balance sheet. But you need to consider it because, of course, your time is very important and very valuable. So today we have a fantastic expert who lives and breathes these products on a daily basis. He has got many, many years, in fact, decades of experience in the industry, and he can help us to navigate the myriad of options that are out there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Help us small businesses to find the best fit. Carl Robertson from Rocketbook Australia is a technology professional with over 10 years experience in telecommunications and consumer electronics across product development, sales, and marketing. Welcome to the program, Carl. Thanks, Alexi. Thanks for having me in. Uh, listen, so we met a couple of weeks ago and I was I was pretty blown away by your product and we're not going to talk about that too much because we'll get into trouble. But I, I do I do enjoy I do enjoy a new tech product. I think we all do. We enjoy having something shiny and new. iPhones are a good example uh, where we have something coming into our door or something we've come across and we just go, oh, that's fabulous. We might have seen it at a, an expo or a conference or something like that. Is it is it really easy to get, you know, I guess, distracted by the newness of something without really thinking about the implementation fully? Absolutely. I think so. I think uh, with these fantastic new products has come fantastic new marketing uh, <laughs> campaigns. And, yeah. And sometimes you can certainly get caught up in the, uh, the glitz and glamour of marketing campaigns. But, you know, the, the innovation we've seen over the last 10 years has just been amazing and, and will no doubt continue. Uh, and offer us as business owners fantastic. Products. And Australians are supposedly the biggest adopters of technology and the fastest adopters of new cloud-based technology, for example. Is that the reality that you see every day? Are, are people open and, um, and, and encouraging of, of taking these things on board? Absolutely. As you mentioned earlier, I mean, you can literally test the waters so easily these days. A lot of the, the new software available, for example, is um, try before you buy. And um, and absolutely, it's a lot easier to, to try things out, see if they work for you, and then you can implement them in your business. So today we're going to talk about um, some specific products, but we're also going to talk about the implementation of something like software as well. And these are your top five. So thank you very much for doing all this research for us. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, um, the mobile phone. <laughs> been with us Good for a while now it's the obvious start it's 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 with us wherever we go it's uh, it's attached to us like some sort of um new appendage uh why do you think that's been such a monumental change to the way that we do business specifically? Well, I think firstly, we all have one. Um, it's, it's probably a fair comment. I think we're at about probably 21 million 
uh, mobile devices for a population of 25 million people. So Only the babies. Um, not many two-year-olds, <laughs> probably. Although, to be honest, I, I, know, I can speak for myself that I know my son quite enjoys uh, digital devices. But um, I think it's the communication piece uh, and what it enables is us to be connected no matter where we are. And I think um, it's probably, whilst it's one of the products that's revolutionised the way we do business, it's probably also one of the most misunderstood products um, in that, as I said earlier, you know, we have these uh, ideas of um, fantastic products put into our heads by these huge um, businesses that have massive marketing budgets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're seeing things like buzzwords like 5G, for example, coming in. And, um, and realistically, they're probably not necessarily that important to our business at the moment um, in terms of that new technology. But there are other solutions out there that we can implement quite easily into the business that might be a better fit. So the 5G, okay, so you're going to need to explain this to me, plain speak. Yes. So the 5G, is, is that the NBN, essentially? Uh, slightly different. So essentially, um, it's like the NBN in that what it offers is faster speeds yep. um, when you're using the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it is is essentially um, new networks being rolled out by the major telcos. Um, so Telstra will be the first one to roll it out. Um, and then we'll see the others follow as well. Um, but what it is is essentially new technology. We went from um, 2G to 3G to 4G. 5G is the logical next step. In 15 years, we'll probably be talking about 6G, for example. But what it's what it means is it's faster speed. So mm-hmm. whereas you're currently probably getting around, um, you know, a, a 1.2 gig at the moment on 5G um, per second. Um, you could be getting anywhere from 20 to 50 megabytes per second on 3G. So, so it's just Significantly faster. quicker. Wow. Yep. And um, are all the devices that we have currently in our pockets, in our hands, are they going to be able to hop on immediately to the 5G network? So they won't be able to connect to 5G. Um, at the moment, there's about three uh, devices that are currently 5G devices, but we'll see more come on o- over the next few years. Um, but they'll continue away with 4G, and 4G will be around for, for years to come. So. Oh, look, I can hear a lot of us sitting here going, look, 4G's fine, I'm able to work. I mean, I'm thinking if it's going to be faster, I'm just going to be more busy. I'm just going to be working more. Is that pushing more into each minute? Absolutely. For many of us, 4G is fine, mm. and that's the thing. At the moment... Um, 5G is being rolled out in a couple of capital cities and a couple of selected other cities as well. Um, So we're not seeing 5G at the moment uh, in regional areas, for example. And as you say, 4G for many of us does the job. Yeah, and it's because, so the the whole 4G, 5G network thing, that's when you're out and about and you're roaming and you've got your device or even your, um, I guess, your computer. Would that be working off some sort of 5G network because it's um, mobile and it's outdoors? You will see 5G computers, no doubt, in the next few years, yes. And the NBN is what we're using while we're internal in our homes or in our businesses. Correct. Yeah, that's a a good way to look at it. Excellent. So it sounds to me like uh, in a lot of ways, if we're talking about devices, that there's got to be... um, (laughs) more purchasing of the newest devices in order to have this aspirational, you know, speed and and network connectivity, you need to be able to have these new devices to be able to connect to that. Am I right in saying that? Uh, To connect to 5G? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You'd need to buy new devices if you want to do that. Um, But as you say, you know, for for many of us, 4G is acceptable at the moment and we can use either devices that we currently have or there's devices that are easy to enter the market um, that currently use 4G that, as I say, will do the job for you. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Google phones. 
Yes. <laughs> what the? Like, I, I don't, I, I'm such a, I'm one of those people that's completely wedded to my device across the board. So where does Google sit in the market? Is it, um, is it literally just another hard set, another hard piece of hard technology? So um, there's, the easiest way to say this is there's two main operating systems, that being iOS, which is your Apple mm-hmm. um, operating system, and then Android, which is Google-owned um, and is an open-source software. Um, so the major difference being uh, Android, as I say, is open-source, so you will see all different brands um, from Samsung, Cat, um, Oppo, all these different brands using uh, Android. Mm. Uh, versus Apple, which, versus iOS, which you will only see Apple using. So it's those platforms that we think of. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and sort of, I guess the Samsungs have just decided to connect themselves to Android as a as a operating system. Yeah, and the the reason for that is, um, you know, Google are quite a large company, mm, and uh, I hear that. <laughs> no longer categorised as a small business. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, so obviously there's there's uh, huge amounts of development work that go into operating systems. Mm. They uh, and it, it's a proven um, stable solution now. So it's it's gone through many iterations and it will continue. Whereas if Samsung were to develop their own operating system, it's expensive to maintain. Um, right. It's just it's an open source platform. Yeah. That's, that's easier for everyone to use. So am I right in assuming that these days, now that as you said, all of that technology has gone through all the testing and and got to a point where it's it's usable and it's stable. Yes. That there's no disadvantage to my business if I use uh, iOS being Apple or. Um, the Google Android system in terms of a platform. It doesn't matter. It's just all about the usability of my hardware. Is that correct? It's really down to personal preference. I, I think that's the easiest way to say it. You know, you meet uh, a lot of people that love Apple and will say, I only like Apple products. However, you're locked into that ecosystem. You know, if the perfect example is um, a tradesman, for example, uh, if you don't see a tradesman rocking out with a sports car and his tools hanging out the side, he's got a specifically built device for his job. The same goes uh, for Android devices, for example. Because you've got a range of brands, you can find many different devices that can meet your needs, whereas with Apple, you are locked very much to what the latest iPhone is. Um, So that's probably one of the unique things that um, being on the Android platform is, is it it gives you multiple brands, so therefore it gives you multiple different types of products. And it's kind of like what we're talking about today is the whole, it doesn't matter what device it is or tech product or software, you need to consider the implementation of that and the time and the um, the research that goes into making sure that it's right for your business. Absolutely, because if you look at Apple, for example, the, their devices, so if you're using a Mac along with an iPhone, they talk to one another. So that can be great for someone that's using them uh, on a day-to-day basis, whereas if you're out and about using them on a job site, for example, you probably want a rugged phone that's going to withstand being dropped and smashing screen. And, you know, for example, the cat phones, they warrant the screen. So mm, mm. that's 24 months whereby you can re- repair or replace your device. So, you know, everyone is obviously in a different position and you need to look at what device matches your requirements. And I think that's probably one of the problems that uh, we've seen is that We've got these fantastic marketing campaigns, people queuing out the door to buy a device, but it may not necessarily be the right device for what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so have maybe, you know, do some research, find out if someone who's in a similar position to you has a similar business, similar requirements. Talk to your professional association, even something as simple as what phone do I get? If you're starting to, yeah, implement something new, then you should really do your research first, which is what today's all about. Let's talk about something much more exciting, which is... um, Asset tracking and the Internet of Things. 
this to me is something that's going to make rather than a complete distraction is just going to make our lives much more efficient. Can you describe to me how it works and how it can help small business? Absolutely. So the Internet of Things, as an overarching comment, is anything that's connected to the Internet. Uh, And at the moment, obviously, we look at things like our computer, our mobile phone uh, and our TV, for example. But as things go on, we're starting to see our kettle, our fridge, our garage door opener, all these different things, a front door, for example, that are becoming connected. Um, And that's great in that we can open them using a smartphone or whatever it may be. But what we're going to see over the next few years is these talking to one another. Um, And we've started to see this with uh, the introduction of Siri, for example, and, and the ability to control devices via our voice Mm -hmm. but what's going to happen is these devices are going to talk to one another and when you're coming home from work for example uh the your car is going to talk to your garage door opener and say i'm approaching um it's going to be able to open your front door as you approach it uh you're going to have the ability for the fridge to um you know order for you instead of uh instead of instead of having to go online to order all different things. So mm. it's it's really about devices talking to one another. And I think it is the most exciting part of where all this connectivity is taking us. And speaking about assets, of course, if you're a business, then um, you can also track where things are located as well. So obviously cars, a lot of um, trades have, well, everyone has cars that are required for business. So you can use the Internet of Things to know where everything is. But there's there's other assets that are part of your business as well that you can use are we talking in terms of security? They become trackable. Absolutely, yeah. So security is a big piece, and um, you know we're we're in the infancy of asset tracking. I'd suggest because um, we're seeing a lot of Bluetooth connected asset trackers, for mm. example, that track your keys or your wallet. Um, but where we're going to see uh, more growth is again, there's a a Internet of Things network being rolled out by many of the operators, mm. and what that uses is a lower power, uh, so it gives them longer. It's the um, device draws less power, so it'll give them longer life rather than when they're using 4G, for example. Um, so we're going to see more the ability for more and more things to be connected. So whether that be a generator on a site, a piece of machinery, um, or even down to as you say the um, any anything that you might have in your office that is high value, you can literally put a tracker on it and it will you'll know the location of it wherever it may be. The Internet of Things is very much dependent on electricity, right? So what happens in the event of, I mean, I think everybody has heard horror stories about people being locked out of their homes because, you know, the internet, uh, sorry, the, the electricity has gone down, the grid's gone down, there's been a, a fire at a, a local substation and people literally just can't get in. Um, is there other technology that's coming in alongside that to help protect us against those sort of issues? Absolutely. So I think, uh, as as you mentioned, um, a lot of the the tracking devices do require power, uh, or they all require power, but they require electricity. Um, However, as I said, with um, the IoT networks that are being rolled out, they're they're lower power. So we're actually seeing batteries that can last one to two years, for Mm. example, because battery technology is obviously improving and the ability to, to get more out of a lithium-ion battery that you know, are reducing in size constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll see the growth of battery power and, um, and obviously solar is being improved as well. That's you know, there's right, There's no reason yeah. that we couldn't look at that as Well, as we were there 20 years ago, but we seem to have fallen behind the eight ball with that one a little bit. I mean, a great example for that is, is a product like Tile. Um, you know, that's a very clear asset tracking for your keys, for your wallet, for your phone, anything you want to stick it to, then you can actually track it um, 
like through geo tracking, can't you? Correct. Yeah, so you can track it from your device, and mm. I, I love Tile. You know, I have a um, Tiles myself, and I think one of the great things I use them for is when I travel, I stick a Tile inside my uh, cabin bag yeah. when I check it. And I know, firstly, that it's on the plane. What's it doing in Adelaide? And then I know when it's arriving <laughs> as well. So, and oh, wow, it, really? Of course you can see when it's getting closer Because you know when it comes you. into range. So, <gasps> so yeah, you there's can go a, to the bathroom a without floor, worrying yeah. about your yeah. little your, your, your <laughs> thing going around around the, um, the carousel. Yes. Oh, well, that's a great little product, actually. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of those as well. And there's, um, there's other options out there apart from Tile, of course. Uh, so let's talk as well about um, not so much physical apps. Uh, assets, sorry, physical changes and physical implementation of tech, but of course software. That's a huge issue for business because I think I think we're all getting to that stage in small business where we're becoming quite overwhelmed with the options that are out there. Uh, it's almost though you have to set a day aside just to even work out which piece of software to implement for, say, your accounting system, for example, if you're going to make a big change. And I think at this time of year, we're all thinking about what sort of changes we can make. Um, so so what are sort of some of your, your big tips when it comes to software and making the decision about which one to choose, for example? Well, the beauty about software is long gone are the days of having to go to a retail store and buy a disc with software on it, you know, the... Those stupid big cardboard boxes (laughs) that had like one CD in them. Exactly. (laughs) So um, we're now in a fantastic position whereby online there is just so much software available. And as you say, that can be quite overwhelming. But um, obviously this is the major accounting software, which is probably the, the flagship uh, things that as business owners that we hear of regularly. Big um, marketing campaigns, like you said. Absolutely, and, mm. and there's a reason for that. You know, mm. they're making a lot of money because mm. they are popular and they're fantastic, I've got to say. You know, they revolutionise the way that we do business and it's saving us time, which, you know, as business owners, time is money. We know that. Um, look, one of the great examples I'd like to talk about is Canva and I think they're, they're a fantastic Australian story and I think they're only going to continue to grow and grow. Um, recently valued at a billion dollars uh, with some VC money being piled in. But, oh, sorry, um, what's VC? Venture capital money. Right, yes. So, uh, so it's a drag and drop uh, graphic design tool and, and it's free to use and I think it's one of the great tools that we can use as, as business owners, small business owners, um, to create content. And um, so you can combine that with something like Pexels or Pixabay um, to use free, royalty-free images. As long as you're using images that are royalty-free and royalty free images, don't use just absolutely. don't just cut and paste from Google from anywhere. <laughs> or your own images. Yes, indeed. And, um, Be and creative, people. Exactly, and and you know it's you can use it for zero cost. Uh, you can create fantastic digital assets for your website, for social media, um, or even flyers, vouchers, um, or print ads. So mm, mm. I think Canva's fantastic, and once obviously you, you get some customers in the door with the like of, of Canva. Um, you can then use um, products like Design Modo uh, to design an e-newsletter and then send it out via Mailchimp. Mm. You know, and you can do all of that without spending any money. Indeed, indeed. And it's um, it's it's a good option out there for those of you who are just starting out for sure. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk to Carl a little bit more about our last two products and then the all-important implementation of all these products in your business. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back after this. So today we're talking all about tech products and implementation of those things. And just before the break, we were talking about things, quite literally, the internet of things and how devices are all starting to talk to one another. Not only does that slightly creepy, if you think about it that way, but more importantly, it makes our lives more efficient. It makes us more energy efficient. It makes us more, um, I guess, we don't have to think about clunky stuff like, you know, 
opening doors or, or turning on lights or making sure our, our home is heated efficiently. Um, it's all happening for us while we move around the joint, which is a way that I guess for us as businesses, things get a little bit easier as well. But we have to consider the implementation of this stuff, not so much with the Internet of Things, but say new devices and new products. And there are some absolutely fantastic products out there apart from our phones, which it's very easy to get uh, distracted by. But let's talk about uh, accepting payments, Carl. So, Carl, um, you know, it's really important that you get more efficient with this. Why? Why do we have to get better at taking money from our clients when we've done the work? Uh, cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> the big C word. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, obviously we all like money in our pocket and with uh, there's some fantastic products out there now that mean that you can get paid instantly rather than the old checks in the mail being a uh, an adage and, and having to wait with terms. So, um, you know, there's, for example, the PayPal here. Uh, That's a little device. You can you can buy it um, at some retailers now, can't correct. you? Correct. You can buy it from, from most electronics retailers. And um, so PayPal here and Square is the other one, that are the, the two common ones. And um, they take credit cards. Ones. So, you so they take credit swipe. cards, correct. Yeah. So they what they do is they um, utilise your phone, so whether that be an Android device or an iOS device. Uh, they connect to an app. And then literally you can use that to take payments on the spot. Um, so it means you're getting paid instantly. Mm. So it's um, you know, it's very low cost. So you're looking at to actually the initial outlay is between you know, $50 and $100 to buy the actual device. And then you're looking at commission rates between kind of 1.9% to, to 2.5%. So um, I my personal thought is the Square is probably the best option in that it's um, it's got a lower commission rate um, than the here. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're fantastic because, as I say, you get paid instantly. So if you're a service business or you sell products, um, you can literally do it from anywhere now. And gone are the days where you even have to carry around, never mind the stripey, um, those of you who are our age will remember the, the swipes where you literally put a credit card in and that great big piece of carbon paper. <laughs> those things are almost antiques now. But even gone are the days where you've got those handheld FPOS machines, they're, they're defunct as well. I mean, they're pretty much gone by the dodo. Absolutely. So these these readers are literally, you know, the size of, of you know, less than the size of your hand, basically. Mm. So they're, they're really small, they're portable, um, and, you know, you're providing a tax invoice on the spot as well. So the customer's happy, they're getting their, their goods or services instantly, uh, but then you're providing that tax invoice. So it's, um, you know, Obviously, and then the money is is paid uh, within a couple of days. I would make sure as well, make sure when you're setting these things up in the back end, if you're invoicing or sending out invoices and receipts from those products, make sure that they're all set out like a proper tax invoice and meeting your ATO obligations. That's just me putting my bookkeeper's hat on there for a second. And don't forget about the device-free options. So there's, you know, there's things like GoCardless and there's Stripe and and other options where uh, they're very... um, price effective as well because they have um, very low fees and it's kind of like a race to the bottom isn't it with all these companies Absolutely. taking less and less of a, of a chunk out of your invoice um, but making their money through volume and, and really any business who's out there any business who's not taking payments immediately you're shooting yourself in the foot and that you know, raises a big question about what the big boys are doing when they're taking advantage of small business. I was reading in the Zero Insights um, uh, release that there's 55 billion, billion, I did say that correctly, billion dollars worth of uh, money that it's not going, uh, that's being paid late to small businesses just in Australia alone, which is outrageous. Absolutely. And many of us are small businesses, you mm-hmm. know, and um, so you've, you wear many hats 
and um, and no one likes wearing the accounts receivable hat. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah um, nobody. Yeah, if you receive that payment immediately, that's something you don't have to worry about. Mm, not yeah. even a stress. Um, let's talk about some other devices you can have around the place. So uh, note-taking solutions, of course. Um, now, these are very exciting, I have to say. There are devices out there that you can now... Uh, well, actually, Carl, you're the expert. You talk about <laughs> it. What am I talking about? They're awesome anyway. Yeah, so... You know, there are many note-taking solutions and, uh, you know, tablets being introduced as, as obviously presented digital solutions. So you see the iPad, uh, Microsoft Surface, for example, that are a great solution. But many of us love going back to the good old pen and paper. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it's an oldie bit of goldie. And, and obviously Rocketbook is a product that, that we've got available here in Australia. Um, and what's unique about Rocketbook is what we say is it bridges the gap between pen and paper and the cloud. Mm. So you take your notes as you would a normal notebook. Um, you scan them to the cloud using the free-to-download app. And then you can essentially reuse the book. So with the Wave, you stick in a microwave with a mug of water, cook the book... And it's uh, and it clears, uh, or with the Everlast, you literally wipe the individual pages clear, um, and then you can reuse the book over and over again with your notes saved in the cloud, obviously. And this, to me, is a real. Um, I guess these sort of products are a marriage of uh, product technology, so actually like tangible things and the software because they're using both of those um, in, in tandem with one another to make things more efficient. And it's interesting what you were saying about people wanting to go back to pen and paper because. There is actual data that shows that we are more likely to remember things that we've written down in our own handwriting um, and more likely to remember things in in terms of using different colours as well. And I guess products like this offer that opportunity to utilise both of those skills and tap into that memory bank that we also desperately need to hang on to um, in a way that surfaces and digital products can't do it alone. Correct. So uh, scientists call it mindless transcription, whereby the idea being that when you're taking notes onto a computer, they're literally coming in and going straight into the computer and nothing sinking into your to brain. Uh, and it's studies have shown that you retain more if you're handwriting the notes. Plus, when you're sitting in a meeting opposite someone handwriting notes, I think they see you as being more in the moment versus someone that's on a computer are they sending emails? Are they uh, yeah. you know, browsing the web? You know, yeah. I think it's it's a bit more personal. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point actually. Sort of that 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 look of being professional and and also taking the time to you know put, put something down and write something down and and yeah, it is. It's 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 kind of old fashioned, but it's it's interesting that things. It's like books. You know, people have all gone back to reading books again because they miss um, the tangibility of holding something, a hard copy of something in your hands, and that feeling of you know having it with you. But the risk of having note paper is that you can lose it and the terrifying thought of all those notes disappearing. And I guess that's what um, these sort of products do is they, they still hold a digital copy somewhere and, and there's that safety mechanism, safety net. Correct. So you've got the digital copy and plus it's good for the environment. You know, you're not going through notebooks, hand over fist. You can actually reuse it again and again. Let's talk about um, the good old fashioned whiteboard. Here's another product that we used uh, probably, I'm thinking back in the 80s and the 90s and there's a whiteboard sitting up on, on the wall and you have a meeting and everybody has a whip and you sit there and you write all the notes up on the board and then, you know, 10 years ago someone took a photo of it to at least try and commit it to memory. Uh, but these days you can actually grab the entire what's on the board in its entirety um, and become it becomes another digital form um, and you can, you can pop it into 
you know, different storage mechanisms and that sort of thing. Correct. So um, a perfect example is a product called ThinkBoard. So Rockerbook partnered with a product called ThinkBoard um, to develop a whiteboard that you can apply to any surface. Um, and then just like the Rockerbook app where you buy your scan it and send it to the location, you can literally do that when you're finished as mm. well. So, um, again, you're saving the notes because, you know, how many brainstorming sessions ended with someone forgetting to take photos or, <laughs> or taking photos and not sharing them, whereas with this you can send them to a shared folder or whatever it may be. So um, ThinkBoard's great. They, we also have uh, other products that um, are necessarily connected, but you can apply on any surface. So if, um, if you're a startup that's leasing space, um, then you can apply that on the wall and then when you finish, take it off. And, yeah, so the technology's got to the point now where you can like literally unfurl it, stick it up on somewhere, and then it stays there until you're ready to take it down Correct. again, which is, you know, for those people who are out there who are using shared office spaces and co-working spaces and those sort of things that's that's a really good option for everybody absolutely so things are uh, it seems to me like we're finding a balance I, I thought we'd be talking about like literally little gadgets and things but but the reality is that gadgets are becoming more um, I guess integrated with software so that they're not as tangible as they used to be they're not some, something it used to hand you know we're not talking about Sticky, sticky notes or, or different types of pens that you can use. It's more that it's in marriage and, and with uh, with software as well to make it more efficient and that's where the efficiency lies. Is that where you think things are heading? Absolutely. I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, with all these new businesses that are coming up, it's a lot easier to bring product to market and, and we've got these fantastic things that we all carry around in our pockets uh, that have these huge processing power. Um, so rather than develop new versions of those, we're developing products via software that can mm. uh, connect to those. Exactly, because uh, as we know with the phones, very good example of something that becomes defunct quickly yeah. because the technology of the hardware is, um, is out of date and we're trying to, I guess, avoid that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the beauty of phones is that, um, as I say, they are mini computers in your pocket. Um, you're now getting two to three years. So we've seen the average um, time that people hold on to their phone increase from 24 months, uh, closer to 36 months. Mm. Um, because, And I think part of that is also the innovation of phones has also slowed down. So with the advent of the iPhone, for example, that revolutionised the smartphone market and we had quite a high rate of, uh, of innovation coming to mobile phones. It's probably slowed a little bit and we're now seeing innovation around edge-to-edge screens, which you know, probably isn't quite the step forward that uh, we saw a couple of it's years ago. It's not that amazing, really. I mean, if that's the best you can do... Exactly. If that's the best you can do with hardware, meh, not that yep. particularly interesting. I'm more interested in the software that's behind it Absolutely. that makes it more powerful, the 5G that makes it faster, all that sort of stuff. And as business owners, I think that's the stuff that excites us. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's right. So let's talk about implementation because um, towards the beginning of the program, you were mentioning, uh, you know, how do you how do you try things without buying it? Yes, a lot of software and products, not products, but software offers you a, a sort of a one-month free trial, for example. What's other ways that you can research a product to make sure the time you're implementing it is really efficient? So I think you mentioned earlier networking. Obviously, networking is a great place to start in that um, you can speak to people that uh, may be in your industry and, and have experience with products and you can gauge feedback from them as to how, whether it worked or not. I think that's a really good place to start because um, you know people will mostly be honest with you as to whether they've had success or a product hasn't worked for them. Mm. Um, I think testimonials from, from websites... Aren't um, they a bit... 
I don't know. You know, people can buy testimonials these days. I'm becoming much more dubious and non-believing with those. It's almost like the genuine connections are better. Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, take them with a grain of salt. So I think, um, you know, obviously you need to look at it and um, and decipher whether they're, they're accurate or, as you say, whether they have been purchased. Um, but then you've got reliable websites like Choice, I think. And, mm. um, and there are other sites out there like CanStar, Facebook reviews, you know, you may not necessarily see um, truthful ones being positive, but you may see some negative ones that are saying steer clear of this product. And, um, you know, again, you need to look at what's being said there and um, and take that in your stride. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend websites and research. Another place I like to look for things is if you've got a, a, an industry-specific Facebook group that you're part of, put it out there to those professionals and ask them what if they've happened to use a particular product or a particular part of a product or, you know, a, a chunk of... of you know, one piece of software, for example, that's a really good place to start too because they'll give very honest opinions to you because they're talking to you as a person, not just to a forum page. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you, as I say, you certainly, from peers, you should be getting some truthful information, yeah. And do you think gone are the days, you know, I remember it used to be whenever you had an iPhone, for example, you go, oh, no, don't, up, don't upgrade to the latest operating system, give it a couple of months so that they can work out the teething issues. Is that getting better in your opinion? I think it's getting better, um, but it's still there. You know, we still see bugs in software. Um, so rather than queuing at the front door on the launch day, you may want to just give it a couple of weeks or a month and, and see you know, how the market reacts. You know, we saw some devices um, that had some issues with their battery catching on fire. You know, obviously that, that would have been an issue for the people that had that. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it sometimes makes sense just to hold off a little bit and see uh, see how it goes. Yeah, and, and again, talk to people who have had the negative experiences because then it might avoid you having to spend lots of time with, Absolutely. <laughs> with having those type of things. So let's talk about the do's and the don'ts of implementing something in your, in your product. You mentioned that, um, you know, embracing technology. We are big adopters in Australia, but do you think there's a certain part of us that still is dubious about new technology because it might waste our time, for example? Yeah, I think there's certainly probably some um, concern about introducing technology, but it is important that we embrace it. You know, it's uh, artificial intelligence is making uh, repetitive tasks a lot easier and, and it's things yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm not a fan. You're not? No, I'm not a fan of AI. I just don't think it's clever enough. So I don't actually, like, in my everyday working life, I don't switch it on until I'm one million percent sure that it's going to do as good a job as I am. And I, maybe that's a fear factor, but I think that I imagine for a lot of consultants out there who consider themselves the expert in this, in their field, the people who are advice givers um, would look at AI as, an, as a way, not so much as competition, but as really quite... Um, not just no, nowhere near as, as as good as they are in terms of giving advice. Absolutely, I agree. Um, I agree that you know, AI will always struggle to be better than the human brain. Um, but you know, I think it does make a lot of repetitive tasks easier. Um, and and yeah, I think using it to to the right degree makes a lot of sense. You know, AI is down to products whereby you scan a receipt and it automatically loads it in you know mm. that's that's the kind of ai that's going to help yes um the way you work and getting so. rid of you know really cumbersome everyday yeah so i think basic it's products yes. basic processes I correct say. so i think ai is going to help us in the long run um i don't think we'll be fighting the machines just yet what about price point when you're making decisions about software i mean what's what or anything what's your decision what, what would be your advice on that so i think um 
you know, we, we sometimes probably have the wool pulled over our eyes with the most expensive thing is the best thing. And I think that just comes back to research. So, um, you know, buy the right product for you at the right price for you as well. Um, one of the concerns with price point, though, is if you buy that cheapest thing, it's probably going to end up costing you the most time and therefore the most money. So um, not necessarily always the case, but it comes with research. Mm, again, yeah. talk to people that, that you know and, and find out what products are best. We're going to take another quick break here on Small Biz Matters. And when we come back after the break, we can talk a little bit about um, technology and how it can be not so positive in your business. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM here live in the studio and across the community radio network. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We've got Carl Robertson here from Rocketbooks Australia talking all about devices, implementation, shiny new gadgets to make you feel like you're being more efficient, but you have to do your research and take the time to make sure you're implementing it properly. Just before the break, we were talking about different ways that you can implement the technology, where to seek advice. Um, And there's a couple of really great websites that you can recommend, Carl, that independently, apart from talking to other people in your industry, you might want to go to to find out more. What what are some of those websites? So I think choice is is Mm. probably the the oldie but a goldie. There's a reason that um, they are independent um, and I think that their reviews are often um, on right on um, the money with what they come back And they're with. also like a consumer advocate as well. I mean, Correct. they really support consumers in their decision-making process and therefore helping us spend our dollars a bit better. Correct, and not just in technology, obviously. So they, um, I think they do a great job. Yeah, absolutely. So Choice is one I'd recommend. Um, I think CanStar is quite good. Uh, and um, another one is Trevor Long uh, has a website called EFTM, and um, and that's a tech website. Um, he does a lot of reviews of technology products, and uh, and again, I, I think um, he's very open in terms of his commercial interests, and I think that's important as well. Mm. Um, so, uh, and then you can look at things like YouTube, Facebook. I, again, you know, I think uh, you often get reviewers looking at products. Take it with a grain of salt, but there's often some great insights there. Is Whirlpool still going? Whirlpool, I think I believe it exists. Yeah, um, it's the biggest uh, forum in the world. Exactly. I think it's probably uh, it's probably half the internet by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's a really great place to find. Although that tends to be a quite American based as well. So we need to make sure that we're finding things that are sort of more Australian centric. Because when you consider. I guess, legislation compliance that we have to adhere to within small business. You need to make sure that software and that hardware is also adhering to that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you Google anything you're looking at with reviews, you're going to find it. And, you know, Google reviews, for example, um, again, take it with a grain of salt, mm. but often can be can offer great insights. Actually, when it comes to product um, uh, research, what I tend to do is I go to google.com.au and I know there's other options out there as well. And then when I type in the search, I then go to search tools and select only Australian sites. Yes. Because that that's for me is sort of more, um, well, for starters, I'm not going to get sticker shock because I'm going to see actual prices instead of thinking, oh, that's really, really cheap, but it's actually in American dollars, not in Australian dollars, for instance. Absolutely. And you know, at the end of the day, Google is a commercial entity. Um, often those top few... Uh, items that will be presented are sponsored, so um, make sure you're looking at the uh, the organic stuff that's presented. I'd say we're probably not far off doing a search and then automatically going to the bottom and getting to page three. I think <laughs> exactly. that's probably where we're all going to start yes. doing. And of course, um, security is really important when it comes to implementation of technology. Why does that always have to be at the forefront of your mind as well? 
I think it's it's such a risk. You know, um, whilst tech is getting better, cyber criminals are getting better as well. And uh, I think the latest figure is uh, that cyber attacks are costing us over a billion dollars per year. Um, so there's great software out there available um, that can protect our products. And you know, going back to the mobile devices, for example, look at devices that schedule regular security updates. So you want at least a quarterly patch. Um, which provides an update. So um, obviously Apple are very good at that, um, but uh, most of the main brands will, will ensure that's the case. And speaking of updates, do them. Like how many people just go, oh, I can't be bothered. I keep getting these pop-ups. It's like you're getting the pop-ups because you're not doing them regularly and, and the software is becoming more and more stressed because it's concerned that you are not implementing these these updates. And a lot of those do have security patches with each of those updates, so it's really important to keep on top of those as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I highly recommend that, that you're on top of uh, the latest software. Yeah. Now, we're talking all about these devices, and I'm sure there's a couple of people, listeners out there, who are saying to themselves, well, I don't want to become addicted to yet another, um, I guess, screen device, piece of software, social media thing, which is going to make me less productive. What would you say in terms of utilising these things for good instead of bad? Yeah, so I think switching off is really important with technology. You know, it's um, gone in the days whereby you'd leave the office at five and, and come back at nine and not worry about work. It's, um, you know, by having things like a smartphone in our pockets, they can consume our lives. So I um, absolutely think that uh, we should be switching off. And, um, you know, Apple's done a great job, for example, whereby they've introduced the ability that when you're driving that you can't use your phone. Um, you know, it's stuff like that that we need to be doing because it can increase uh, stress and fuel anxiety as well. So I think it's important being present and having tech-free time. I think it's important that we ban phones in schools, quite frankly. I think that's something that we need to have more of a discussion about. Absolutely. So Victoria's just uh, has, rolled that yeah, out, which yeah. is fantastic news. And um, In your opinion as a tech expert, are we disadvantaging an entire generation of students or are we simply not making them the guinea pigs for our technological addictions? Yeah, so as a, uh, as a child of the 90s, I think, uh, or 80s and 90s, I think um, I've turned out okay, but I think um, we should have tech-free time at school. I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, we live in an environment whereby our kids can be bullied and um, and digital bullying is really, really tough on kids. So um, I think at school, they shouldn't have phones. They should be switched on, learning, playing, um, absolutely. Mm. Because they do have, you know, it's compulsory for them to have laptops now. So the laptops are a little bit harder to use as a as a digital device for cyberbullying or, or to have Instagram up on the screen. It's a bit harder. It is possible. But it's a little bit harder, I hope. I'm talking to my 13-year-old child now as I speak. But, yeah, it is, it's, a, it's something we need to grapple with as an entire society. Do we stop these kids from using technology and therefore disadvantage them in a technological world? Or do we, you know, say, you know, unfettered access, go for it and just deal with the consequences and, and become more resilient to the cyberbullying and to the distractions and the addictions. But these products are not designed for us to put the phones down. They're designed for us to be on them 24-7. Absolutely. Um, you, know, you can look at um, a lot of things side by side with some of the... Uh, the industries that try and addict people and, they, yeah, they can be seen side by side. But I think, um, you know, we probably send mixed messages to kids and I think you're probably accurate in that, in that, um, you know, a lot of kids need a, a laptop. It's compulsory to a lot of schools. Um, but then we sit exams and we handwrite our exams. Mm. So 
um, you know, that's where obviously a product like Rocketbook's great in that you can continue developing a hand. I actually um, spoke with a teacher and the way that they train their students was they connect a battery to the pen um, when they're writing exams so that it makes the pen a bit heavier. Um, yeah, this is this is obviously going to be an issue with technology um, if we don't maintain things like pen and paper. Yeah, interesting concept. Let, tell us a little bit more about how we can find out about uh, a Rockerbook. So uh, jump on our website, getrockerbook.com.au um, and, uh, and if you've got any questions, you can obviously submit them there. We'll help you out. Uh, otherwise, Rockerbook Australia on Facebook. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for coming on the program today, Carl. It's been fascinating talking about tech and implementation and the the do's and the don'ts and the the good, the bad and the ugly. Thank you very much for coming on Small Biz Matters. Uh, Today, if you've missed any of today's show, you can, of course, catch up via our website, smallbizmatters.com.au, where there's over 150 fantastic podcasts just like this one to listen to. Plus, there's over 80 on iTunes where you can subscribe or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back next week. Oh, we won't be back next week, actually because we're having a week off. But then the following week, we've got lots of great guests coming up over the next few weeks. So make sure you listen in. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next week.